0: God, we give this evening to you indeed. We lift our hearts to you. We lift our spirits to you. We ask for much help tonight. Much help. As we look at the sensitive issue of forgiveness, God, we ask you to grace us with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you be our teacher and our guide? Would you melt our hearts and enable us to change and to receive and be morphed and and, and, and changed into the likeness of Christ? So come Holy Ghost. We, we give ourselves to you tonight in Jesus name. Amen. Please be seated there. Some of you will remember a guy called Donley. Remember Donley? Yeah. Donley was 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 in our pastor's group for a little while and one day I was I was frightened that a certain individual would negatively affect the team. And I had to kind of warn them quite strictly and harshly about this person. And so I had to lay it on quite thick. And so I was saying, you know, stay away from them. Don't go near them. Do this, do that. They're dangerous people, blah, blah, blah. And after the meeting, Donnelly said, you know, could I have a word with you, Pastor Mike? I said, no problem. And I, I really appreciate this in him. I thought it was a very good trait. He took me aside and he said, I think there's unforgiveness in your heart towards that person. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, oh, I see. Thank you very much. And and well done for being bold enough to, to pull me out and say, I think you've got a problem with that. Actually, I haven't. I haven't. I was just laying it on thick because I think the others won't listen to me if I don't give it to them that way. To be honest with you folks, listen, I would not stay in this job if I hadn't coped with unforgiveness and couldn't do it. In fact, I think it's dangerous. I think it would be dangerous. I think you'd be playing games with God. You'll see why in a moment. Unforgiveness and forgiveness, of course, they're very, you know, important topics, but they're topics that again and again you find that people just don't know even the basics about how to forgive or the process of forgiveness. Look, You've all got brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. You've got neighbors and colleagues. And without a shadow of a doubt, some of them have offended you. Right? Amen? Somewhere along the line. Maybe you may have to go back, you know, four weeks, five weeks, two years, three years, or even to your childhood. But out there, there will be issues, things, happenings. Some of them serious, maybe some of them not very serious. But it doesn't matter doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's a big event or a small event. If I hold on forgiveness within me, I put myself in a very dangerous position. Now listen carefully to to what I'm about to say. In my experience, most Christians don't know how to forgive. It's not that they don't want to. They want to. And they try to. But often fail in forgiveness. And if it's a person, for instance, they meet that person and over and over again, they they say, well, I forgive them, I forgive them. But the thing keeps on raising its ugly head, you know. And that's a big, big problem. Our topic is prayer. Prayer changes things, right? And, And unforgiveness is one of the biggest blockages to your prayer life if you let it reside. Now, Jesus said it was impossible that offenses would not come. Okay? Offenses are going to come. It's all about knowing how to deal with those offenses. Now listen up. There's three things Christians do. Three possible ways out for you. So someone says something about you. They lie about you. They offend you. They've done something on you. Three ways really. You can retaliate, which you should not do because you're born again, right? Wrong. You shouldn't do that. Secondly, you can attempt to forgive and forget. And this is something I tried to do. Didn't work. Didn't work. I won't go into that tonight. But I didn't forgive and forget. I tried to forgive, but I couldn't forget. (laughs) It's still there. It's still in my heart. Still, because I had a problem with forgiveness in a certain situation. And try as I may, I couldn't get get rid of it, you know? And the third way of dealing with forgiveness or, or, or unforgiveness or hurt is the most popular. And it's this. Christians swallow it. They swallow it alive. It's buried alive, if you like. And we think by doing that, by just ignoring it, that the thing will go away. I wish it would, but it doesn't. When I was growing up, I come from a big family, nine children. And when I was growing up, my mom used to say about me, Oh, Michael, Michael never has a problem forgiving anyone. They're so good like that. And she would say that to me many times. And I remember hearing it, and it was true. Got no problem. And I was the youngest of nine. So smack, smack, you know the story, right? Didn't bother me. I didn't hold it against my brothers and sisters. Not a problem. Just in my nature. And then I got saved. (laughs) Whoa! What was a strength as a lost person became a weakness as a Christian. Oh, how on earth did that happen? What sort of a trick is that? I didn't expect that. But that's exactly what happened to me. You know, so easy before. And then when I got saved, the thing became such a burden to me. And of course, I was trying to get into ministry and enter ministry. And I understood the immense seriousness of this stuff. I can't walk around with unforgiveness in my heart. And so tonight's message kind of comes out of that. But as I said, I'm a praying person. And so for me to have unforgiveness is intolerable. It won't work. I can't have my prayers answered. right? I can't even dare enter the throne room of God if I'm trying to go in there with unforgiveness in my heart. That's absurd. That's crazy. So just to put forgiveness in a biblical context, and I think you'll probably be shocked by the end of the night, but turn to Ephesians to start with. Ephesians chapter 4, take a look at this. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31 and 32. Just so it's nice and clear how God thinks of forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 31 and 32. This is talking to you. Get rid of all bitterness, all rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ has forgiven you. And turn to Matthew's gospel a moment. Matthew chapter 18. This is a a, a scary parable here. Matthew chapter 18. It's the parable of the unmerciful servant. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. And this is so important, I'm going to read the whole thing, because this is is huge. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. In other words, infinitely. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement... A man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii. He grabbed him, and and, and began to choke him. Pay what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell, fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay his debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they told the master everything that had happened. Then the master called his servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured. Now, this is Jesus talking, friends. Sorry, some really surprising things in your Bible. This is Jesus Christ talking in anger. His master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured. That means tormented within his own heart, if you like, until he should have paid back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive. Wow. So you see the story. Jesus is not letting us off the hook. He's not pulling any punches. He's saying, if you hold unforgiveness in your heart, it's like he will hand us over to being tormented day and night. And if it's a person, for instance, that person will be in your mind when you wake up, be in your mind when you go to sleep, you're being tormented. You're being tormented because unforgiveness has taken a root in you, taken a a hold of you. And, of course, that's unhealthy in many, many ways. What is unforgiveness? I've given you a little list, the definition of it, because it's important to, to know the mechanics behind it, particularly this subject. Under the first little list there, quickly going through them. Unforgiveness is refusing to extend to others what God has so freely given you. The Bible actually speaks of it like acid that burns through your system, very clearly in in Proverbs. Unforgiveness is a choice, and this is an important thing for all of us to accept. I need to accept the fact that I can forgive no matter what anyone has done to me. You can forgive no matter what anyone has done, no matter how serious that offense was no matter how often they sinned against you, you can still choose to forgive. And the typical thing that people will say, oh, well, you don't understand. You don't understand. You weren't there. In this situation, I can't forgive. No, sorry. There is no situation, I'm afraid. And you need to accept the fact that forgiveness is your choice and it's something that you must do and can do. Listen, please, folks. There are people who have suffered immeasurably more than you. Forgive me if I'm wrong, just in case. But there are people who have suffered hugely and still forgiven. uh, The list goes on forever. The AOG pastor in England whose daughter was on the Lockerbie plane and the BBC was there that night and they couldn't find anyone to interview. They haven't even found his daughter's body yet. And the BBC are looking for someone. And they stick a microphone in the father's face. What have you got to say? Your your daughter was on the plane. And may God bless that man. He turned to the microphone. He hasn't even buried his child yet. Hallelujah. Maturity. He turns and he knows the BBC are broadcasting this all over the world. And what does he say? He says, I want to say to the people who blew up the plane that I forgive you. Jesus. Wow. That's like Job, you know. Job had the same heart, the same ability. Or Gordon Wilson, you know the guy in the Poppy Day bomb in Enniskillen in Northern Ireland? Same thing. His, His daughter was standing beside him. The bomb went off. He was standing unhurt. And the daughter, unfortunately, the blast just took her and blew her to smithereens. And Gordon Wilson went on TV and he said, she was the apple of my eye. She was all I lived for. She was my little girl. And I raised her and they blew her to smithereens. And I forgive them. So now you start to get your little petty things into perspective, friends. Don't start saying that you can't forgive because I don't think we know what we say when we say that. Imagine what that sounds like to God in light of the fact of the things that He knows and what He sees around the world with people, you know, bringing themselves to forgive others of unspeakable crimes, torturous crimes to them, bereavement, etc. etc. Oh, you can forgive, all right, because as many have shown you. It's a choice. It's a choice that we all must make and can make. So just get a a grip on what unforgiveness is and forgiveness is. It's refusing to extend to other people what God has already given you. It it burns like acid through our system, it says in Proverbs. It is a choice. And if you don't forgive, you're, you're putting pain upon yourself. Someone described unforgiveness like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I think that's a a perfect way of putting it. That's exactly what it's like when we hold something in our heart. Number five, you can't be what you want to be. Scripture is very clear. In terms of you fulfilling the will of God, the the purpose of God, particularly for ministry or for married life, if you're going to hold on forgiveness, man, you're not ever going to become what you should have been. Because that will constantly block your path, constantly be a fly in the ointment, trouble in, in your home, marriage, work, or whatever. Of course it's an act of gross pride because we're saying they offended me. Me. Right? So it's it's pride at its very core. And it's an act of rebellion against God himself. Look at Matthew chapter 6. We were looking at this this afternoon in... Pastor Fred's group. And this, this will scare you. Please turn in this, to this in your Bible because this is something every Christian should see and know. It's, it's unbelievable, this. It's, it's, it's scary stuff. Matthew chapter 6, the famous, and verse 9, the famous Our Father that we looked at this morning. This then is how you should pray, Jesus says Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. There's our sin going. As we also forgive our debtors, there's our unforgiveness in operation. And lead us not into temptation. There's the strength of the Christian life. Deliver us from the evil one. There's your freedom. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And look at verse 14. But none of that can be yours unless you forgive. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. In other words, the whole of the Our Father. You begin to see our topic is prayer, folks. And what blocks prayer? They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And as we saw this morning, he brought them through a structure. But at the end of that structure, it's like he makes, and you'll see it again in a moment in other places. He said, oh, by the way, best you don't forget that there is one thing besides doubt and unbelief, which we'll look at separately, but Jesus doesn't mention that there. There is one thing that really is going to mess this prayer life up for you. And here he says, it's unforgiveness. It's not keeping short accounts with God and with others. So that's what unforgiveness is. The second section on your notes, there are dire consequences to it. It begins with, Unforgiveness and then it, it, it turns into anger within people, and it ends up with what Hebrews calls a root of bitterness. And when you meet people that have a root of bitterness, they can be very difficult people to, to, to deal with, you know, because even the, even the sweet is bitter with some, because the source is bitter, their hearts get embittered, and then everything that comes out of them is bitter, and that's a sad life hard to fix that it's a root you see it's not a crop it's a root and it says be careful that it doesn't take roots it's hard to get it up okay so unforgiveness leads to anger leads to a root of bitterness which is difficult to remove the bible gives many warnings with regards to this it says this don't let the sun go down on your anger and that means many things But one of the things it means is this. When you go to sleep, yes, you're physically sleeping, but your subconscious is working. It's working all through the night. So if you go to bed with unforgiveness or or, or malice towards someone, you don't get rest. You get sleep. The two different things. You sleep, no problem. You go to sleep. But you'll wake up without having rested. Because through the night, and that's why the Bible says, don't go to bed like that. Sort it out before you go to sleep. Because what will happen is, if you go to bed, you get into bed, yes, you'll go to sleep, but through the night, your subconscious starts to drive that thing down into your spirit, as it were, and it begins to take root. So keep daily short accounts, right? And just a word of warning for those of you here who are single. Be careful about marrying someone who has an anger problem. Okay? Dodgy stuff. Because if they have not processed that, let's say you're marrying a man who has an anger problem with his boss or something or with his father or mother. And they did this to me and they did that to me and they haven't resolved it. And you marry them. And then the father dies. Then the person who offended them dies oh but the anger still there they can't get at them now where is that anger going to go it's coming your way so you do not marry someone you should not marry someone with this grab them take them to a church take them for for help counsel on this issue because it's too nasty an issue okay consequences of unforgiveness number one bitterness Great warnings in the Scripture about that. Number two, unforgiveness will affect your prayer life. Look at Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. And verse 24. This is another one that's one of the incredible things the Bible says. Mark Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer... Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Famous scripture. It's a memory verse. Everybody knows it, but they don't finish the pa- the passage. Verse 24, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. If you do not forgive him, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. Now, I don't know about you folks, but this is why I was able to answer Donnelly's question: I need my sins forgiven." And that scripture very, very clearly says, "If you do not forgive others their sins, you will not be forgiven." Serious. What? Isn't that amazing? Twice. And in fact, in those two occasions we've looked at so far, on both occasions, Jesus was saying, this is how you can pray. And in both occasions, he finishes it by saying, uh-oh, but by the way, obviously there's a common blockage. By the way, this doesn't work unless you're going to walk in forgiveness. Total forgiveness, which brings such healing, which I'll come to in a moment, which I think is principal target of God. So under the consequences of unforgiveness then, it produces bitterness in us if we don't deal with it. It will definitely affect your prayer life because we just read in Mark there that our prayers can be answered, but not if we hold unforgiveness. Matthew chapter 5, take a look at that. It also affects our worship. Without worship, our hearts will not be soft and they will be hardened. Matthew chapter 5. And verse 23 and 24. I'll read from verse 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother without cause will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. Therefore, look at this, verse 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you. See that? It's not you having something against someone else. But if you remember that your brother has got something against you. God says, just leave that gift. Don't bother putting it in. Leave that gift there, in front of the altar, and first... Go and be reconciled to your brother. Wow. So, in fact, it's not just our prayers that are hindered by holding on to unforgiveness. It's our worship and it's our actual giving. And, you know, people just start walking out at this point, you know. They think, what do you mean? My, my giving is affected by my, my, my prosperity. It's affected by unforgiveness. Absolutely. I spent some time recently with individuals just like this, not prospering in their lives and wanting to know what was wrong. And in fact, in both cases of the individuals I was dealing with, in both cases, they're not prospering, in in my opinion, because of unforgiveness. And as you sat with them and look at their situations, you are holding that in your... Look, if you can't forgive, you can't give. Forgiveness is one of the givings, right? There's thanksgiving, forgiving, giving. They're, they're connected. They're all, there's only one you. And you'll find, definitely, people who have trouble forgiving will also have trouble giving. Because it's the same freely I have received, freely I give. He freely forgave me, I freely forgive you. God blesses me financially freely, freely I will pass it on. It's the same principle behind it all. It's the same well, the same spirit, the same source. So it does block our finances, it blocks our witnesses, and of course it will block your spiritual growth. Number seven under that, affecting your physical health, is is a real problematic one. I won't go into them tonight, you can study them at home, but it says that it rots your bones. Unforgiveness, anger, holding it in your body, it will make you sick. Proverbs chapter 14, Proverbs chapter 16, Proverbs chapter 17, all warn us that you will, you know, certain sicknesses will start to build up in your bones, in your body, through holding on to bitternesses towards people. And of course, number eight, it, it will affect your relationships in life. You can't have unforgiveness going on within a marriage, folks. You cannot go on like that. Strife is a dreadful thing, a terrible thing, horrible thing to have to live with. Don't let that become your pattern or your norm, but keep short accounts. I I said something quickly to Jeanette just two days ago, just carelessly, and it was too too nasty or short a comment. And I just said it and I turned around, took about four places, turned back. Sorry, (laughs) because that's about as far as you can go. And if you let anything go any further, have we let the sun at least in several years, right? Nothing will be, if anything's wrong, either with anything in me or anything in you, I can't, because I can't pray. I can't pray. I can't pray if there's something wrong in you. So we're not going anywhere, kid. What's wrong? What did I do? What did someone else do? Let's sort it out. Let's pray about it. Because I'm not free to pray. Did I do something? Most often it's Jeanette that's done the thing, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) Hallelujah. Keep short accounts. Keep short accounts, right? Because these things, don't go to bed on it, don't sleep on it, because it will go down into your spirit. That's the consequences of unforgiveness, and I know that's all very negative, but it's an analysis of our condition. Uh, Certainly my condition. Is there a cure? Absolutely. And this is where... You need to listen up because this is where you might have some actions to take even after tonight. Number one, take it seriously. You need to understand, and you don't have to agree with me on this, it's a lot different within a marriage if the wife is out of sorts with the husband than it is if the husband's out of sorts with the wife. It's a lot different if if you're in disagreement with a member than it is if you're in disagreement with me. It's a lot different for me if you and I have an argument, Kay, or I have an argument with my overseer. Believe me, there's one massive difference. There's a, there's a huge difference in God. So you need to take it seriously. Wives, submit to your husbands. Right? Be very careful to do that at all times. It's a, in my mind, you don't have to agree, it's a much more serious thing. Kay, if you and I have an argument, I'll phone you and I'll sort it out maybe i'll meet you next week but see if i have an argument with with one of my overseers it's like an alarm bell do you know in the old testament when they sinned against their leaders do you know what happened to them the ground opened up and swallowed them wow look this is what this is what happened sucked out of the building <laughs> somebody who disobeyed oh, <laughs> the ground opened up and swallowed them listen listen real real close God is incredibly patient, very gracious throughout the Old Testament. Follow it. Incredibly patient, except on one thing. What is it? You disobey Moses and you're dead. There's only one thing. So you need to understand that there are principles, there's government, there's structure, there's rules, and there's laws in the kingdom. And your God takes it very personally when you don't obey the structure believe me. And so for me, I take this very seriously. Of course I take it seriously in my marriage. Of course I'll take it seriously with others. But there's no place that I will take it more seriously than with my overseers. Nowhere. Because I know I I incur the wrath of God here. If I don't sort this, I don't care who's wrong. That's not the point. I am not going to be out of sorts with anyone who's overseeing my life. And I haven't had very few situations um, once we had a problem in the church in, in Dublin and I tell you my hand was up and I confessed and publicly straight over to Pastor Rick when he was sitting there because I'm not gonna let a second go by without a problem. I said, Rick, I was wrong. I made a mistake. I'm not gonna have you being angry here. I made a mistake. I said, okay, no problem. <coughs> one of the major ones was my overseer in Ireland, Peter Finch. We got on great. He still remains one of my closest friends in ministry. Oh, we had an argument on the phone. It's the only real argument I ever had with Peter in, in 20 years of knowing the guy. He's a great guy. But he, I just couldn't agree with him on this point And it, we lost our tempers with one another. And he's a really sweet-natured guy. I'm in town and he's at home. And Peter will just let the thing go because that's what he's like. I'm the one with the problem. If your brother sins against you, I felt he was wrong. But that doesn't matter. So I get on the bus and I go up to his house. I think I terrified him. Oh, what are you doing here? Well, we just had an argument. And he said, it's okay, Mike. And he really means it. Very gracious man. No, it's okay for you. You're saying it's okay. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. So sit down, Peter. This is what we just talked about. And I've got a real problem. And we ironed the whole thing out. That was it. Prayed together. Job done. Now I'm free. Now I can... If your brother sins against you, you can forgive him. But Jesus it works both ways. If you sin against your brother, go and ask forgiveness. But if your brother sins against you, Jesus says, also, also, go to that brother and ask for forgiveness or try and patch it up. It doesn't matter who's wrong. That's not really relevant here. The point is relationship and the flow of God. So, Take it seriously, even if others are not taking it seriously. That's point one under the cure. Because these things, people don't understand them. So they don't take them seriously, and then you'll you'll be, you'll be the one left with the problem. Number two, assume full responsibility for the wrongs that you've done in your life. Don't hide sin. You can't do it. When you hide your sin, the Scripture says you do not prosper. That means in every department. Confess your sins honestly and openly with one another. Acknowledge when you have sinned. I, I told you before, I was in the world. I didn't get saved until I was 26. And I had messed up a couple of lives, you know, out there, just in relationships and things, as a madman I was for some time. And when I got saved, I felt incredibly guilty for the damage that I had done to these two particular people and their relationships. And I thought about it for a little while, and in the end, I thought I know what I'll do. I'll say sorry. But I was too much of a coward to go to them face to face. So I wrote them letters. Amazing thing, asking for forgiveness, you know. And I wrote these two people, dear bleep, dear bleep. I knew where they lived. I really messed you up, and I got saved now. I'm a Christian. Don't laugh. I'm a Christian. And that puts responsibilities on me. And at this point, I want to tell you that I am sorry for what I did and I want to ask you for your forgiveness. And after dark, I sneaked over to both of their homes and popped those letters in. What a coward. (laughs) Do you know what? Both of those people came to see me. If I had met that guy on the street, he probably would have punched me in the face before the letter. Both of them came to see me, and I remember the guy walking in. Oh, oh hello! Come on in. And he comes in. He's got my letter. And he walks in. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I, sw- well, I, 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 I saved uh, now. Sorry for what I did. You know, <laughs> don't hit me. Don't throw me out the window. You know, I'm sorry for what I did. And he's just dumbstruck, absolutely dumbstruck, thinking. Thing. and I, I remember his last words his parting words he took the letter and he turned back and he said do you know what maybe there is a God maybe there is a God that you would say sorry maybe there is a God and I guess he was thinking only God could make you do that Paul but what the healing see what unforgiveness can leave and the damage that it can do And I was shocked by that. And you suddenly see the great wisdom in God, the benefits by obeying God when someone has offended you trying to patch it up or the other way around when you have offended someone trying to put that right and the great good that can come out of it. So acknowledge it. If you have sinned, acknowledge it. Number five, lay down any anger you may have within yourself. Ask for forgiveness if you need to ask for forgiveness. And begin to pray for the person. And this is, I guess, the biggest key of all. So to tell you my, my testimony in terms of this subject, forgiveness. I'm in ministry. I'm getting over the forgiveness thing. Things are going okay. And then, wow. And really, man, the, you know, it was, I don't know, it was God or the devil. I don't know. Looking back on it, I can't tell. I just know this. I was bitter. Man, I was bitter. <laughs> I was really angry. Really, 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 really angry. As I say, what was a strength as an unbeliever became a weakness as a believer. And I know I can't hold it, so I try everything. These two people, two pastors, really cut me to shreds and I was furious at them. But I knew I couldn't continue in a proper relationship with God like this. So I try everything under the sun, to forgive them. You can walk around in your room and say, I forgive them, I forgive them, I forgive them. It doesn't, it doesn't, well, it didn't work for me. Okay? There was still something there. I'm not talking about hurt. I'll come to that in a minute. There was still a residue there. And I even, it's the only issue in my life I've ever sought counsel for. And I went and got a guy, pastor friend, and I said, look, what do you do? What do you do with forgiveness? See, you guys have really hurt me. I don't want it. I want to forgive them. I just can't seem to be able to. It's still in me. What am I doing wrong? I don't get it. And you know, he couldn't help me actually. It was in a, sitting in a meeting that I got my healing, my deliverance. I was sitting in a meeting and one of those men was leading and he just happened to say that he had a financial need, that he was in trouble. And when he said that, of course, love your enemies love your enemies, do good to those who despitefully use you and that will set... That's what I didn't do. I didn't do him good. I was out of that place to a cash point, got cash, went back. I called a mutual friend and I said, you give that to him and don't tell him it was me. Give it to him. And all I can say to you folks is when I handed that money over, it was like goodness goodness came into me. Healing came into me. I was the one with the bitterness in me. Not him. He's free. I'm the one carrying the unforgiveness. But I had never, as much as I wanted to forgive with my words, I had failed to obey the most basic principle of scripture when they offend you. Do them good. That's that's the guidance. When someone hurts you, when your enemies rally again, do them good, love them, bless them. And that's how you stay free of it and it actually delivers you and and, and liberates you off that venom or bitterness or anger or resentment. And I believe the vast majority of the Christian church don't do that. They swallow it alive and it remains within them making them sick Messing up relationships in the long term. When we spoke about this subject on the radio four months ago or five months ago, we had more phone calls on this subject than any other subject by people saying prior to that it was divorce. That was the number one phone calls we used to get. But when this subject came up, people were ringing in. Nobody ever told me that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. What did you do? Is that what i have going to do? Yes, that's what you have got to do. And that's what you've got to do. But they offended me. You don't understand. Now, don't say that. We can all play that game. You need to do good to those who have offended you. Now, you don't have to make it public. You can do it secretly like I did. You don't have to do that. Right? Just make sure you do them good. Yes, you can pray for them, but bless them. Number nine you might have to go and say sorry to some people. Now, for me, it was appropriate to do that. In some cases, it's not appropriate to do that. Don't go digging up old bones. Please listen, folks. This is very important. You don't have to go out of here tonight and open old wounds that don't need opening. You understand? If something's long gone and it's over, you can do more harm than good in some circumstances. And I'm trusting you to have the wisdom to know where you need to intervene and where you don't. Don't go and dump on someone, right? Uh, because people do that. Don't do that. Don't go and dump on someone who's, who's, you know, walking quite freely in their own walk. If you know they're free, you can deal with that other ways. But there are situations where you will need to go and say sorry. Okay? Family. Friends. Neighbors fellow students, work colleagues. Don't ever think it's not important to God. I was in a meeting in a with a pastor's conference thing, and I was so, I loved it so much. There was such a presence of God that I went out in my car just to be alone for a moment, and I knew God had something to say to me, and it wasn't good. I was getting admonished, and I didn't know why. I thought, Lord, I'm enjoying your presence. What are you Are you mad about me? What have I done? And you know what? I'm sitting in that car, having had a fantastic time uh, over like two, three days. And I know that there's some vexation in the heart of God. And as I sat there in quiet, just frankly, what's wrong? And God spoke to me. What's wrong is the way you spoke to your father. What? What? Get into the presence of God. Mira, And you find out more things. You find uh, My attitude to my, I love my father. I know you love my father. I know you love your father. But your attitude was disrespectful at certain times when you, oh God, Jesus, sorry. And we went home. I got down on my knees with my old father. I took him in his bedroom and I said, give me your hands and I want to ask you to forgive me. For everything and anything, he didn't know what was going on. God bless him. He was like 90, you know. What are you doing? <coughs> you don't know what's in God's heart. I, I wasn't on my mind. But you see, as you get nearer or closer, God will need to reveal to you things that you may have forgotten. But they're still there. Somewhere deep in me, obviously, that was still there. There. And it was prohibiting me. There was a great presence of God at that conference. And I had gotten, listen, I had gotten as far as I was just about to go. Until you deal with that. Thus far and no further. I know you're having a good time. But we've got this far based on, you know, grace and grace alone. We need to do a little bit of homework here. There's still some roots in you, Michael. And we're going to get them out right now. Well, amen. Thank you for showing that to me. It's a shock. It's a shock. I never would have dreamt that that was an issue to you, God. But if that's an issue to you, we'll sort it out rapid so that we can continue. At the bottom, we're going to have communion in just a moment. Sue, could you... At the bottom of the page is how we wrap this thing up and, and, and make it relate to prayer. Remember, the conclusion is you need to tonight... Forgive yourself. And some people find that incredibly difficult. Some people don't find it difficult at all. But a person who doesn't forgive themselves for things they've done in their lives are going to struggle with self-condemnation and therefore you can't pray. It's in 1 John, right? If our hearts condemn us, we have no confidence before God. But if your hearts do not condemn you, you will have confidence in prayer. So you need to forgive yourself First and foremost, that's where, forget about others a minute. Okay, look at me. Forget about others. I want you to forgive yourself. God is, so if you're repenting for everything you've ever done wrong, then God will happily and freely give you forgiveness. That's the nature of God. God's business is forgiveness. That's the business he's in. Forgiving the sins of people like you. That's his business, right? Right? Your sins don't shock God. You don't shock God. There's nothing you've ever done that is new. These sins are common to men. Common to the human race. You're not, no freak. You're an ordinary person. And you mustn't let the devil play games with you. You forgive yourself because God affords you that forgiveness. He gives you that forgiveness. Freely receive it. You must repent, of course. Without repentance... There is no forgiveness. You must repent fully and then forgive yourself. Why do we say that? Listen, if you don't forgive yourself, you don't stand a chance with others. You're not going to have it. If you haven't got it, you can't give it. Jesus said, my peace, I g-. Who had the peace? Jesus has the peace so he can give the peace. My peace, I give you. He has it so he can give it. And you need to receive the forgiveness, the full forgiveness of God. And then you will have that. And you'll become sweet water and be able to give that to others. Now I've put forgive yourself, forgive God and forgive others. I hope you understand what I mean by forgiving God as if God's done something wrong, right? No, what I mean by that is, is many people walk through their lives with judging God for things that happened, this happened, that happened and they end up with a fist in the air that is not acceptable, of course. It's totally wrong. Uh, What I mean is vindicate God. That's what I mean. Vindicate God in your own heart for everything in your life. He is not guilty. Amen. He is not guilty. So don't blame God for things the devil's done or you have done or mankind has done and you have suffered because of it. Forgive yourself. Maybe vindicate God would be a better way of putting it. And then you can turn to others and you will actually have it to give. There's one other thing before we have communion I want to say, and it's this. If I break your arm, okay, you're having a hard time tonight, aren't you? If I break your arm, right? Your arm's broken. And you can come up and say to me, I forgive you. Praise the Lord. Okay. But his arm's still broken. He still has pain. He still, he has forgiven me, no problem. But he's, there, there are consequences of the action. And when you forgive someone, one of the, if someone has really hurt you, really offended you, but you have fully and properly forgiven them, listen, folks, the hurt can still remain. Okay? Don't confuse hurt with unforgiveness. They're two different things, right? It's just that you're not holding that person to account for anything they have done. You can still be damaged or there still may be consequences, but you're not holding them responsible for it. You're letting them go. Hurt and unforgiveness are different. And many people get stuck thinking, oh, I haven't forgiven. And you could well have forgiven. And it's just the consequences of it. I think forgiveness, uh, uh, communion, is probably the best place for us to go tonight. As we begin a few weeks of just looking at prayer, it's a good way to start by cleansing our hearts, reminding ourselves of the power of the blood of Jesus to wash you clean. Make you presentable, acceptable to God. Just invite the ushers to pass this out. Thank you, Lord. Once you get your bread and your wine, just bow your head and focus your mind and your heart. And I think it's a good night to. Begin again. You know, we're born again Christians. We can be begin again Christians, as it were. God is so good and always ready, always willing to give you a fresh start and a fresh wind behind you to put wind in your sails, as it were, for your Christian life. But I guess it all begins with forgiveness. You receiving it, you vindicating God, and then you forgiving old people. Let's do that. Just begin with yourself. Search me, O God, and find if there be any wicked way in me. Search us, O God, and find if there be any wickedness within us. Any unforgiveness or anger or bitterness that may build up. We don't want it, Jesus. We totally and utterly reject it through the power and the grace that you give us tonight we forgive everyone everyone from our childhood everyone from our current lives friends family neighbors colleagues God, we vindicate you. We say you're not guilty of any wrongdoing in our lives in any way. And you never were. And forgive us if in any way we have judged you. Forgive us for that attitude and that presumption. And lastly tonight, before we take communion, God, we, we forgive everyone. All people. Ask your spirit to wash us clean. I'll just give you a moment to pray your own prayer and make your peace with God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Just go ahead and take the bread and wine right there. I'll just invite the worship team. If anybody wants to talk later, we were quite happy to Talk through any issues that may have been raised tonight and what is a very sensitive topic.